And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Coming up on the show, it's that time of year. Photos from coast to coast flooding social media parents taking pictures and videos showing them off to all their friends and family and anybody that will look at them. That's right. Back to school. Can you believe it? Can you believe we are already at back to school? What happened to starting after Labor Day? Now we start in the middle of summer practically. Now I know some schools get out in May, which is fine. I know that I still think that you have less of a summer this time around than when we were growing up. You get out around the second week of June and you wouldn't go back until after the second week in September, really, you know, after Labor Day. And it was a three solid months, almost 12 full weeks, sometimes 13 of summer vacation. Now it seems like it's maybe nine. You're lucky to get 10. So it seems like anyways, especially with summer school, the emphasis on summer school now. But so everybody's going back to school. And that's what we're going to talk about on the show. We're going to talk about the transition back to going to school and the schedule for teachers, students, parents, and everybody in between. And I've got some things that might be able to help you, some tips that might be able to help you with time management, with self-care, things like that. But um, So that's what we're going to be talking about. But back to school is always a big time of year. So you got those pictures, like I mentioned, of people taking their first day of school photos with their kids, whether it be pre-K, kindergarten, all the way up to senior year. And they're fun. And I know it's like, I always think that social media can be like a video or picture diary, you know, and then Sometimes, depending on what social media app you use, they'll flash some memories from a couple years ago, especially on Facebook. You get those, you know, two, three, four, five years ago. I've gotten some that were 13 years ago. And so it's fun. And I get it. You want to capture the moment and you're a proud parent and you want to show it off. But here's my first beef with all that. Are you ready? Okay. You take your pictures from, let's just do kindergarten, and you've got your First day of school from kindergarten, and your first day of school all the way up to senior year. 13 first day of school photos. And maybe you make a collage of it at graduation time or whatever you do with them. But then your kid goes off to college. Where are, where is your first day of college picture? I know your kid might not want it. They might be too old for it. But college is a huge deal, especially your first day. And I would, if I was to go back, I should should have taken pictures of my first day, but happened before social media. But college is a big deal. Take the pictures through college, too. I know we take them at graduation. But a lot of people, especially... In modern times, you've got a lot of people going to college that are the first time college goes in the family. Take the pictures. It's exciting. I know we get some dorm moving photos and pictures like that, and that's great. But emphasize the fact that your kid made it to college. That's huge. Don't neglect that first day of college, especially freshman year. 
because that's a big step. I think oftentimes what happens, kid turns 18, and unfortunately you hear this a lot, kid turns 18, they get kicked out of the house or they have to go to work or take care of themselves, and everyone just thinks they're 18, they're grown up. That's not the case. In fact, it, it's almost like you have to start life over again, okay? So as an infant, a toddler, now kindergarten, elementary school, middle school, high school, you have to take care of them. Obviously, you're legally obligated to take care of them, but hopefully you do it out of the goodness of your heart because they're your kids. But then they get to college and we're like, okay, you're done. You've grown up. But that's when we got to start over and take care of our kids even more because they're entering a whole new world, a whole new world of responsibility. I mean, you can't even as a parent go to the college academic department or talk to anybody on, at a college about your child's records or your child's academic performance or anything without getting special authorization from your student, your kid. And so we just kick them off into adult world and think, hey, you're going to be okay. That's not the case. We need to make sure that when they are in adulthood, or at least I should say in college, the college part of adulthood or that 18 to 22, that we're still taking care of them. We're still instructing them. We're showing them the ropes on what it's like to be a grown-up, responsibility. And that could include time management, self-care, finances, uh, respect towards others like teachers and colleagues. So there's a lot of things that we can do, especially you as the parent, that is beneficial during those formative years of adulthood, college. But we let them go. No pictures. And we let them figure it out. And it's a whole new thing. They might think they know, but they really don't. How many of you have struggled with the transition from high school to college? I mean, St. Elmo's Fire was a movie about that very thing. About that transition. And you've seen many movies about the transition into adulthood. It's a real struggle. So the point is that just because your kid now has graduated high school and moving to college, whether they go away to college or whether they are staying at home, maybe they're getting a job, you still, your job is not done. You need to now get them prepared for the real world, the working world. And oftentimes college professors, they're not going to do that. Maybe some good ones will. But they're not going to do that. My college professors, they didn't care about anything. I think I had one. He was a rhetoric teacher. And the one thing he taught us, taught me, was that your name was your name. So if your name was Christopher, a lot of people call you Chris, right? He's like, no, I'm going to call you Christopher because that is your namesake. And it was a respect. It was a respect thing. Now, I'm not saying we all have to do that, but it was a respect thing from him as to why he was going to call you by your given name. And so there are people along the way that will help out, but as parents, you're the primary. So make sure that transition from high school to college is still exciting, but you're still there alongside them because even though they're 18, 19, 20, how many, I see it on social media all the time, you 30 and 40-year-olds, you got some pretty jacked up things going on in life. You put it out there for the world to see. So if you can't manage life at 30 and 40, how's an 18, 19-year-old? going to navigate the world, and especially a college environment, and especially young ladies, where all the upperclassmen now are going to try to pursue you. And it only takes one night, one Friday night, one party, 
to ruin a lifetime. Parents, take care of your kids, no matter what age they are. But for those of you going back to school, maybe K through 12, depending on what grade you're going into, you got your school supplies. We had to go get school supplies and and bring them. Now kids show up and, hey, school supplies are in your desk. It's like magic. How many of you had trapper keepers? Were you a trapper keeper or were you a blue binder? Those blue binders that by the end of the year or by the end of the semester, you had drawn all over them or maybe you slapped stickers on them. It's kind of like the laptop now, right? You see people with laptops and they put their stickers on the top of the laptop, the cover. The blue binder was that. We either drew in blue ink on it or you slapped some stickers, maybe some Vans stickers on there or something. Ocean Pacific stickers on there. Or were you the type of person that had the peachy folders? The peachy folder people were always hilarious because they were always disorganized. At least the trapper keepers had the peachy type folders, but at least you can keep them organized, right, in the trapper keeper. And the blue binders, you had those little tab things that you could flip through with the the paper. And then what was the difference between wide-ruled paper and college-ruled paper? I think it was just to make you write more because there were more lines. Remember, you had two- to three-page papers to write, and if you had to write it on college-ruled paper, you're writing a lot more than wide-ruled paper. I think that was a conspiracy. But you had your trapper keeper, your blue binders. Maybe you supported uh, or or sported a Jansport backpack going off to class. Maybe you had your Eraser-Mate pens. Or maybe that pen with the three colors, the red, the blue, and the green. And then the crayons. You had the different crayons, right? You had the eight Crayola crayons which were just the basic primary colors. Then you had the 16. A lot of people had the 32. But then there was the creme de la creme, the 64 count Crayola with the sharpener on the side. I mean, you were really upscaling bougie. If you had the 64, would be like, hey, buddy, let me borrow your sharpener. And then you'd peel away at the wrapper so you can sharpen it. What about Elmer's glue? Were you a part of the, the crowd that would overglue your arts and crafts? You'd get some glue, Elmer's glue on your hand, and then you'd let it dry, and then you'd peel it off. Were you one of those? Were you one that had the lunch pail, like the actual lunch box? Maybe it was Dukes of Hazard, Maybe it was NFL with all the helmets on it. Maybe it was some other cartoon or some other pop culture figure on it. Or were you a brown bagger? So a lot of new things take place when we are going back to school. From mechanical pencils to number two, Dixon Ticonderogas, to the orange eraser versus that white eraser. Not really sure. I know that the only thing they have on the ruler, don't forget the ruler, and then the teacher had to teach you on the first day not to put the ruler on your pencil and spin it because it might fly off and hit somebody in the eye. Or were you old enough to have a compass and a protractor at the right grade level for math? All those school supplies. But it is that time of year where a lot of people are going back to school. That includes parents going back to work because maybe they work at their kid's school so they have the summer off. Or maybe now they don't have daycare anymore so they have to get up and get the kid to school by 7.30, 8 o'clock. And I know there's a lot of stuff out there 
and a lot of stories out there. But it's difficult. It's difficult for everybody for that transition. And you think about the different layers. You know, you got your administrators, you've got your teachers in the trenches, you've got your parents, you've got your students. I know a couple of years ago when we were getting out of COVID and going back into school, there were some first, maybe even second graders that had never been inside a classroom before. Just the way it panned out, right? Because we were all at home. Maybe some of you didn't have that problem. Now that we're a couple years into it, hopefully we're starting to get back to those kindergarten students getting ready for school and then learning classroom environments. So hopefully that and classroom responsibilities and classroom rules so that the first, second, and third graders or teachers have it a little bit easier. And that's the responsibility of kindergarten teachers that no one really understands is trying to teach these young ones. And I love subbing in a kindergarten class. I don't do it often. But I love subbing or at least working. Maybe if I'm doing a, uh, a a day assignment at school, you know, helping students with their academics go in and help them because they are like sponges. They want to learn a lot. And they're fascinating because they're especially, I think it was last year. So I think it was the start of the 2020 school year. It was literally the first two days of school. I'm subbing in a kindergarten. So I had the opportunity to be there the very first day these kids were in school. And it was fascinating. It was hilarious. There was somebody else in there to help out, somebody that actually belonged to the school, but I had to sub that day because they needed somebody. In fact, it might have been a cadre person, like a student teacher that was actually teaching the class, something like that. But, um, but it's always fun. It's always exciting watching these kindergartners. But again, it's a process. That's a transition. About halfway through the day, they're ready to go home and they don't want to come back. A lot of first grade, second grade, third grade, special education, regular people. I remember going through, you know, elementary school. And finally, I think the first day of school that I actually was excited about was sixth grade because now I was at the top because my school was, you know, pretty much K through six. And now I was at the top, the oldest grade on campus. And then seventh, you start over. Eighth was okay. Ninth, tenth, and your senior year. And then I didn't want to go back my senior year. I was ready to be done after my junior year, but I played football. So played football my senior year. And then by the time the spring semester rolled around, I was pretty much done. I was ready to get out of there. But there's a lot that we can do. There's a lot that we need to adjust our life to. And one of those things is time management. You know, kids have been used to doing kind of what they want when they want throughout the summer. But now we've got to get back to a routine, bedtime at a certain time, waking up at a certain time getting out of the house on time. And so the first thing you should do is maybe create a schedule, actually a visible schedule. And this could go for anything. If you're busy in the workforce and you're struggling with time management, have a schedule. Because when you create a schedule, you can list actually an outline of tasks and activities that need to be done and then when they should be done. I mean, this is something that we learned years ago going through these college prep courses in high school. We take these seminars or workshops and they say, put out a schedule. When's the assignment or what's the assignment? When's it due? What's the assignment? When's it due? Prioritize it and then adjust it according to due date and then maybe include how much work, maybe estimate how much work you might have to do on each project so that you can see, visually see how much work needs to be done. So if you create a schedule, you can organize your time and make sure that everything gets done on time. And you're not overlooking a certain assignment because you're focusing on this one and you totally forgot about this one. 
And then you could uh, prior like I said, prioritize and allocate some time to how much time you think you need to do on this one versus that one. Maybe this one's due in two weeks and this one's due next week, but this is going to require more of my time. So, you know, you have to adjust accordingly, but actually putting out a visual schedule helps everybody wake up in the morning, go to bed. Here's when you're in school. I mean, they do it in school in the elementary school classrooms. You see from 8 to 8.30, 8.30 to 9. You have reading, you have math, you have recess, you have lunch, you have break, you have specials, you know. And then, of course, in high school, you actually have to switch classes. So that's kind of your break. So scheduling is actually a very good thing to do to help you keep on time, but also to help you manage time. So you're not frantically running about. Okay, kids, bedtime's at 9. They always know bedtime's at 9 or whatever time you want to put them to bed. If you're in high school and you're a little bit more responsible or if you're an adult, what time are you going to go to bed? How much sleep do you need? How much time in the morning do you need to prepare? Maybe you need two hours to prepare. I used to take maybe an hour, hour and a half because breakfast, I like to sit there. I would usually have a bowl of cereal, eat the cereal, look at the box, the cereal box. And so I needed more time. Now I can pretty much get out of the house by, by in about 45 minutes. That's rushing it, but I can get out of the house in 45 minutes and be ready to go. So create a schedule. Also set goals. Set goals for yourself. Okay, what do I want to get accomplished? Because if you set goals, you can focus your energy on those goals. You've got your schedule, and now I want to have to study. Well, what's study? Well, the first 15 minutes, I want to read the textbook. The next 15, I need to write out an outline. Whatever. Or I want to get this much stuff done. Over the summer, I see a lot of teachers posting things that they're going to do because they have time off. And one particular person was uh, wanted to join a book club and read like a book a week. So I think that was what, like 10 books maybe that they wanted to get done in this book club. But they never got through it. So I sent a message. I said, hey, how's it going? Did you get through your book? Like, no, I didn't have time and this and that. And so um, I just happened to ask, you know, did you set specific time and maybe a specific goal? Like how many pages do you need to read? Because I'm the type of person that if I have to read a book, let's say it's 100 pages. And let's say I need to do it in seven days. So, well, let's just do the easy math. I have 100 pages I have to read and I have to do it in 10 days. I'm going to read 10 pages a day. I'm not going to read all 100 in the same day. 10, 10, 10, move on. But then do I set a goal as to when I want to do that? Every day at 8 o'clock, every day at 9 o'clock, just like you go to school every day at 8 o'clock or 8.30 or 7.45 or some schools, 7.15. But again, set goals. Short-term goals, okay, I want to get this much work done. And then long-term goals, I want to get this done in this amount of time. And that could be your college. I want to get done in four years. I want to get done in three years. I want to make sure I take these classes in this order. Or maybe you're looking for vacation, okay? Maybe Thanksgiving break or Christmas break. I want to get this much stuff done. One of the things I try to do, at least through the summertime, is I pick up these odd jobs and stuff to keep me busy and keep the money coming in. But I try to get as much of it done Monday through Thursday. So Friday, I have the least amount of stuff to do so I can take pretty much a three-day weekend, steal a three-day weekend. Now, during the school year, can't do that because classes are Monday through Friday, but I try to get as much done Monday through Thursday during the summer so I can have that extra day off. I'm not procrastinating. I'm pushing myself to get stuff done. Long-term goals could be like earning a degree, maybe getting a job, 
And, of course, your short-term goals could be completing an assignment on time or studying for a test or getting things done. But, again, creating a schedule so you can see it and setting goals is going to be one way that you can manage time. Another way is to prioritize your tasks. Determine which ones are most important and then the next tiered and then the next tiered and then attack them accordingly. Completing the most important tasks first. I always like to set it up by time. If you're overwhelmed, okay, what's due first? What's due second? What's due third? And then I try to do it that way. What comes first? What comes second? What comes third? That's how I kind of prioritize based on when things are due. Obviously, urgent tasks need immediate uh, action. And then you can kind of figure it out from there. But if you prioritize these tasks, then you can ensure that you're spending the correct amount of time on them so that you can get things done. The biggest thing is to avoid procrastination. I'm going to wait, you know, and get this done tomorrow. What was it like Ben Franklin or somebody? Why put off for tomorrow what you can get done today? And then I kind of flipped it around to why do today what you can put off for tomorrow? But yeah, you want to get stuff done. And that's what happens. Cramming, right? The last minute. If it wasn't for the last minute, nothing would get done, right? We wait till the last minute. We're cramming the night before instead of getting ample sleep for the test. Or we're up all night grading papers or doing a report. Whatever the case may be, we're doing it at the last minute because we procrastinated. College students especially, this can lead to a lot of stress, anxiety, and even poor academic performance. So avoid procrastination. And then if you do procrastinate, why? Why do you procrastinate? Figure out the reasons. Is it because you're going to fear, you have a fear of failure? Or maybe you just lack motivation to do it? There's a lot of times that I'm looking at something like, dude, I just don't want to do this. In school, there was a lot of times I didn't want to do this. Task avoidance, key buzzword nowadays in school, especially in elementary school. Or maybe we get easily distracted. You know, we're doing something. How many times are you maybe doing some research on the web, and then next thing you know, you're looking at other websites, sports, Amazon, Timu, even though I hear Timu is supposed to be taboo. But how many times are you doing things like that? You get distracted, right? You got to stay focused. Again, schedule. Set goals. Prioritize tasks. Avoid procrastination. And then, especially for a lot of us, we need to learn to say no. College students, you're bombarded with all kinds of invitations to social events, extracurricular activities, other commitments. Maybe you belong to a sorority or fraternity. Why? I don't know, but maybe you do, and you have those commitments. Maybe you're engaged in a, a sport in high school, so you have after-school practice or the band or you know, um, theater, whatever it is. We have to manage all this stuff, and we have to do it effectively, and sometimes we might have to say, no, I can't do that. Teachers, you're bombarded with all kinds of stuff. You go from IEPs to IPAs. Sometimes we have to say, no, I can't do that. Or, I'm sorry, that's not my responsibility Someone else needs to take care of that. I mean, there's so many schools across the world, especially in this country, where shortages. I know school districts in my area where they're actually short everything, short teachers, short special education teachers. So there are actually some schools that do not have education teachers at them. So the students last year that were going to these schools that have or are involved in special education now have to go to another school. 
or not have services. Bus drivers, lack of bus drivers. How are people getting to school on time? How are they getting to school at all? See, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And so it might be, hey, I want to be a team player, so I'm going to do this, that's this, that. And then you run out of time. You have no energy. You're stressed. Your anxiety rises. You don't take care of yourself. We're going to talk about self-care in a little bit. But sometimes we have to say, no, I can't do that. I'm contracted till 345, and today I'm going home at 345. I'm done. Sometimes we have to say no. And, of course, taking breaks. You know, after how many of you eat, um, burn through your breaks? I know a lot of people have to, I've heard a lot of stories where people, instead of getting their lunch break, they have to go sub at another class because not enough resources, not enough teachers. Or you have to burn through your break to get your lesson plans done for the next class. So we don't take the right time to take our breaks. If you're studying and you're a student in college, maybe, maybe that's a 15-minute break. Maybe it's an hour break. Maybe it's longer. Maybe every three, four hours you get up and you walk away. Refresh the brain. Because if you get focused, after a while you stop learning. It just becomes a jumbled mess up there. The brain needs interaction, needs stimulation, needs change. And then during those breaks, what do you do? Do you veg? Do you listen to music? Maybe you go do some stretching, walk outside, get some sun, listen to music, take a break, whatever it is. Give your mind and body a rest because that's going to be important. And if you do that, then I think you have a better opportunity for success, especially during this transition period. You know, it's almost like we have to reinvent ourselves. I did a uh, podcast a while ago, I think, I don't know, it's been a couple of years. I was talking about reinventing yourself. Sometimes you have to give up things. Sometimes you have to do things to reinvent yourself. And then what you're doing is you're investing your time now so that your future self can benefit from it. If you go to college, you're investing your time now so that your future self benefits from it. So challenge yourself now, but not only that, challenge yourself in the future, your future self to not let you down. Reinvent yourself because your future self is relying on you. How many times do we hear, if you could go back and tell your 18-year-old self something, what would it be? If you could go back and redo something, what would it be? Well, now as we look to the future and our future selves, why not take care of that now so that we're in the future? We don't have to ask why if we would go back and tell our younger self something, what would it be? I already did that. I invested in my future self. I raised the standard. In fact, what I do now is raising the standard on my future self. So my future self better add up to what I'm doing now and not let me down. Future self, do not let me down because what I'm doing here, I'm putting in the work now. I'm putting in the dedication. I'm putting in the courage. I'm using my strength to get you where you want to be. So don't let me down, future self. I'm reinventing myself. I'm taking myself to the next level. And that guy's pretty smart, pretty wise. Should probably listen to him. But no, we need to take care of ourselves, but we need to also invest in ourselves so that our future self can benefit from it. We're raising the standard, bringing out our inner greatness, inspire and motivating others to do the same. One of the hardest things that we have is that teacher student dynamic, right? Depending on where you're at, if you're in lower income, maybe a rougher part of town, you got students, we've seen all kinds of movies regarding them, right? 
And then you've got maybe some teachers that are out there that are frustrated. I remember growing up, had some great teachers, but oftentimes there were some students that today's standards, by today's standards, they would probably be in special education, but didn't really have that back then, though the emphasis wasn't on it back then. And so they were deemed problem child or problem student. And so from grade to grade to grade, that label, I guess, came with the student. These are the good kids. These are the bad kids. And I think back now to these students, and I'm like, wow, these kids weren't bad. They just needed what they could have benefited from is some of the special education strategies. Walk into a classroom, if a guy's fidgeting, maybe you give him a chair to sit on a wiggle chair or a ball, a bouncy ball, one of those big like yoga type balls. You know, you get fidget spinners. You know, there's resources that students have been able to use to help them kind of overcome whatever it is. And we kind of went to, at least in elementary school, a little uh, more strict school, and there was more rules and what we had to do. And so there were some students that probably shouldn't have belonged in that school, not because of anything, but because of the rigidness of it, the strictness of it. And they probably could have benefited from something else because some of these students, now that we're growing up, went off to college, got degrees, excelling in the business world and other entities, and they're doing great. So my point to teachers here, as I'm addressing you now, is that sometimes you have to take a look at the students and look past them. Maybe you see something in them that's beyond what their labels are. You know, you read their file that comes to you from their previous teacher or previous teachers, and you see something in them, and you're like, oh, it's going to be this student. Oh, this student's going to be a troublemaker. This one's going to cost me a lot of time on my free time, and whatever excuse you make. But you're the teacher. You're there to not only educate, but to inspire. You're there to motivate. You're there to get the best out of them, and it's draining, and it's difficult. But instead of just looking at the student, and seeing a problem child, maybe you have to look through the lens of the child. Maybe you have to look from outside the teacher academia vision and look and see what solutions might be available. Maybe we need to be more like Mr. Jensen. I have a lot of memories from when I was a child. One that's always stuck out to me though was when I was about 10 years old and I was in school and I struggled. And I, I didn't struggle with English, math, or science. I struggled holding still. And I would try to listen and focus and process ideas, but I couldn't help myself. And to be honest, I would sit there and then I would just start tapping. And the students in the class would look at me and they'd say, hey, stop tapping. A lot of the time, I didn't even realize I was doing it. And then eventually even the teachers got after me and they would yell at me and they'd say, Clint, you have to stop tapping. It got so bad that I got sent to the principal's office for tapping. And he said to me, Kim, maybe when you go back to class, just try sitting on your hands. So I did. I went back to class and when I felt myself starting to tap, I just, I did this. I sat on my hands and that worked for about five seconds. One time I was tapping in class and my teacher, Mr. Jensen, he looked at me and he yelled. And he said, Clint, stay after class. And I thought to myself, this is it, I am done. Now I've always been the type of person that believes that a single moment in time can change a person's life. And this was one of those moments for me. And I will never forget it. 
so I was sitting there with Mr. Jensen and an empty classroom. And he walked past me and he sat next to his desk and he said, Clint, come here, I want to talk to you. And as he looked me right in the eye, he said, now I need you to know something, you're not in trouble. But I do have just one question that I have to ask you. And he asked, he said, have you ever thought about playing the drums? And in that moment, Mr. Jensen, he leaned back and he opened the top drawer of his desk. And he reached in and he pulled out my very first pair of drumsticks. And he held them in his hands and he looked at me and he said, Hey, Clint, you're not a problem. I think you're a drummer. never put those sticks down. I've toured, recorded, and played drums all over the world. My whole college education was paid for with drumsticks in my hand. Just because of a single moment in time when somebody believed in me and he saw something in me that I didn't even see within myself. And from that moment, I learned that there's a difference between being the best in the world and being the best for the world. Are you going to be the best in the world? Or are you going to be the best for the world? A single moment in time can change a life. If you think about that, that requires a lot of paying attention, observation, Figuring out a solution that might be outside the box. Last time we were together, I was talking about living life inside the box, how society wants to keep us in that box. Teachers, we're sometimes forced to teach inside this box, right? We have expectations from administration and district offices and parents and others. And we want to abide by the rules, which we should. But sometimes... It might require, like Mr. Jensen, thinking outside the box. You're not a problem. You're a drummer. You're not a problem. You're a whatever. That one moment in time that changes a person's life, that makes you or gives you the distinction of being the best for the world or the best in the world. What would you rather be? Would you rather be the best in the world, best teacher in the world, get all the accolades, but yet nobody really cares, remembers you? Or do you want to be the best for the world, the best for your teachers, the best for your coworkers, the best for your students, the best for whatever it is you're doing? And make those life changes. And that takes a lot of effort. Sometimes we get caught up in the business of doing teaching. And we forget that we need to teach. We get caught up in the business of conducting a classroom. But we forget to teach. We get busy in all the other stuff, the distractions that are going on. And we forget to teach. We have lofty goals, ambition. Maybe you want to get promoted, be a principal one day. 
maybe go work at the district office and have a cushy little gig, making lots of money, disconnected from the real world that's going on out there. And you forget to teach. I don't think it's a coincidence. I've never thought it to be a coincidence, happenstance, luck, that a student arrives in my classroom. Student arrives in your classroom. There is a reason why we have the students that we have, the people that we come across, our coworkers. Whatever job you do and the people you do it with, there's a reason why they're in our lives. Some might be just for social reasons. Some might be for the betterment, uh, the betterment of the job. Some might be what other superficial reasons why. Others might be more depth to why they're in our lives. And teachers to students, that's the biggest one. There's a connection there. I remember all the teachers I had, especially in elementary school. I'm fortunate enough to say that I can say great things about all of them. But not a lot of people can. Because we lose out on the focus of teaching and we get distracted by everything else. So as we head into this new year, teachers, what are you going to do? Are you going to be the best for your student or are you going to be the best in the school? It makes a big difference as to what you do. A little bit ago, we were talking about, you know, some time management on what we can do, you know, create a schedule. We can set goals, prioritize our tasks, you know, try not to procrastinate, say no if we have to, but we also have to take care of ourselves. And we do that by developing a clear and realistic plan for academic work. Again, we talked about setting specific goals, make them measurable, make them achievable, make them relevant. Okay. Yeah, I want to get done with college in two years. Well, that might not be reasonable or attainable. I've got three IEP meetings I have to get to this week. It's overwhelming. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be up till 2, 3 in the morning and then get up at 4 a.m. to continue working on them. Might need to re- rearrange some stuff. Again, you're living in that box. They might say, no, you have to get it done by X, Y, Z. And yes, I know it's a legal, legal things involved with it. But you know what? That's not measurable, attainable, reachable. And it's not definitely something that fits into the model of time management nor self-care. So should you really be doing it? Sometimes you might have to say no. Can't be done. Practice those good management skills. Setting aside the time to do your work, go to class, study, extracurricular activities, whatever it is. Uh, Developing good study habits or work habits. Lesson planning, if you're in college or in school, study habits. Making sure that you have a suitable study environment. That it's not some party fraternity going on 24-7 and you're trying to study. Maybe you have to go to the library. A lot of libraries these days have rooms that you can rent that are just quiet spaces. Or not rent, but you can check out. Like a book, you know, you can check out. Reserve time in quiet spaces in the uh, libraries and other places. There's a lot of that on campuses across the uh, across the country. Utilize them. And then again, take breaks. You know, taking breaks is a part of good study habits. I'm going to study for this amount of time, take a break. Then we come back to this. I'm going to study this subject for this amount of time. I'm going to work on this assignment. I'm going to do research here. And again, you've set your schedule, and now we're going to stick to it, and we're going to develop those study habits. 
Again, you got to prioritize physical and mental health. Last time we were together, we spent a whole podcast episode, episode 171. If you want to go back and uh, listen to it, I recommend it because there's a lot of good information in there to help with the whole mental health issue, whether you're suffering from it or you know somebody or you want to figure out how to help those that have mental health issues. But we have to take care of our physical and our mental health. A report came out just the other day by the CDC. A record number of suicides took place in 2022. 49,500 people took their lives of all ages. The stress, the anxiety, the depression, it gets to us. We have to manage those. And there's a lot of times in school, especially if you're a teacher and it's overwhelming, or if you're a student at whatever grade level, it becomes overwhelming, anxiety, depression. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. If you're a student, you know, we have to live in this box, right? But if you get a D on an assignment, a C, maybe even an F, it's not the end of the world. Don't freak out about it. It's okay. I know students that have a couple Fs in classes because life kind of got to them. They're going back to school. They're getting financial aid. It's not the end of the world. Don't freak out over it. Nobody, 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 nobody. Here's one one instance where I'm going to share my credentials. I went to undergrad school, and I have three master's degrees. So I went through four academic programs in my life. Okay, so four degrees. Every time someone asks me, do you have a degree? Do you have a master's degree? What's it in? I share it with them. Not once has anybody ever asked me what grade I got in freshman lit. What grade did I get in statistics class? What grade did I get here, there, whatever? Nobody cares. Sure, you get some accolades when you go to graduation. You get to wear extra things on your gown, Okay, that's great if you want to do that. I'm not saying, I'm not discouraging you from going after it. I'm not discouraging you from bringing out your inner greatness and becoming magna cum laude. I'm not discouraging that at all. But if you happen to get something that's not very good of a grade that you don't want, don't freak out about it. No one's going to ask you about it. Nobody's going to care. In the end, it is that diploma, the only thing that matters. So if you happen to be struggling Because you're going through a lot of stuff and you're a college student, maybe even a high school student, I don't recommend it. Don't just slough off your responsibilities, but I'm saying if it happens, don't fret it. Oh, you didn't get an assignment done because you ran out of time, whatever. Start over. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. I'm sitting here. I've gotten D's in classes. I haven't turned in assignments. I've done all that. For whatever reason, sometimes I just didn't want to do the assignment because it was stupid. I had a stupid professor give me stupid assignments. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not doing it. And I did the other stuff so I can get a C in the class and pass. That's all I cared about. There's some classes where in college all I wanted was a C to pass because it was stupid. I was okay with that. No one's ever asked me what I got in whatever class it was because it was stupid. I didn't want to participate, so I did bare minimum to get a C. I didn't even show up. Bare minimum. I'm okay with that. I have to live my life. I'm okay with that. Maybe you're not, but I'm okay with that. So it's okay if you have to adjust things because of circumstances. It's not the end of the world. You can still be very successful with a D on your report card. Now, I went back and I retook the classes in summer school just because I wanted to. 
it was psychology and something else, I think. So I wanted to, so I just went back to junior college and, and did it. But again, you can do it. And no one's ever asked me what my grade in psychology was. The guy was a flipping lunatic. So prioritize your mental health. Get enough sleep. Not enough people get enough sleep and we get grouchy. And it takes a toll on us. We have to eat a balanced diet. Take time to eat lunch at school. Take time to eat lunch. Whatever you're doing. Engage in regular exercise. You might not be able to go to the gym before the gym, want the gym. Go for walks. Pavement's free. Go out. Go to a park. Walk around. Stretch. Put something on the uh, video hosting sites where they have exercises. Do something. Sleep is especially important for academic performance. I cannot stress that enough. And then, of course, eating a healthy diet can improve brain function. Exercise reduces stress and improves overall well-being. So you've got to sleep, you've got to move, and you've got to eat a balanced diet. Yeah, sometimes it's good to have junk food. We need comfort food. Sometimes we need more healthy food. But whatever it is. And then we've got to take time to just relax. Uh, relax. Downtime. Chill out. That's okay. Again, live life your way. If your end goal is to get a diploma, okay, that's your end goal in college, for example. And I'm kind of focusing on college students here because that's kind of like a, a special place for me. But if you're focusing on your on diplomas, your end goal, how you get there might vary from everybody else. If you're a teacher, your goal might be just to get to the end of the day, end of the week, end of the month, end of the semester, whatever it is. You might be first year, 30th year, okay? It's going to, everybody's going to run their own path. But if you do some of these things, it might better help you, especially during the transition. Uh, develop effective communication skills, verbal and written. And then the ability to listen. Oftentimes you want to, we're quick to talk, quick to talk, but we don't listen. We don't listen and understand, like Mr. Jensen, that you're not a problem, you're a drummer. There's a lot of things going on, especially younger elementary kids. They don't have a, they have a hard time expressing maybe themselves, right? And so you might have to listen more. That's the one thing I love about young kids, especially kindergartners, because somebody will say, my dog did this, and then all of a sudden everybody has a dog. Everybody has two dogs, three dogs, four dogs. They just make stuff up right and left. I find it hilarious. I know you have to corral that in. That's why I don't teach full-time kindergarten. But that's why I love dipping into kindergarten classes. Oh, fun with that. Oh, you got five dogs. Wow, that's great. Whatever. Because I know they're embellishing, but they love to tell those stories. They love to talk. And sometimes that's important, talking, especially at those younger ages. You've got to give younger kids. That's one thing I learned in kindergarten, first grade. You've got to provide time for them to talk because that's a part of learning for them. And so I let them embellish. You've got to be an advocate for yourself. If you're not advocating for yourself, you're not going to make it. You have to advocate for yourself, especially if you are a teacher or a student, college, high school. It's okay to advocate for yourself. I have a friend who's a doctor, and that's the first thing he told me when he became a, a doctor, like in the real-world doctor, not just med school. He learned in med school that you have to advocate for yourself. You don't like what the doctor says? Go find someone else. Doctor's not treating you enough or giving you enough information? Advocate, advocate, advocate for yourself. You want to take certain classes, advocate. You want to take a certain degree course, advocate. You need help, advocate. You have to be your own best person and advocate for yourself. So communication is advocating for yourself, 
written, verbal. Let your students know what's going on. Let your parents know what's going on. Let uh, you know your professors know if you're going to be there or not. Communicate. And then listen. And then respond appropriately. Effective communication can help in everything and build positive relationships. Quick email. All is good. Hey, at least they, they know. And, and I know there's a tendency to give up. Like, if I send this email out, no one's going to care. No one's going to read it. Parents don't care. They're high half the time, absent-minded, not there. Grandma's overwhelmed taking care of the kids. I get it. I've been there. I've seen it all. I've worked it all. Classrooms from the inner city to the other side of town. I've seen it all. But again, are you the best teacher for your student? And are you going to be that one moment in time person that's going to change a life? You're not a problem. You're a drummer. And then you got to have a growth mindset. You got to develop strong motivational skills. Growth mindset. Looking for uh, challenges, opportunities to grow, to develop. Set high standards for yourselves. Don't settle for middle. You know, I talked a little bit ago about I got to see in a class that's fine. That wasn't my standard, but because the class I had to take to graduate and I did not want to take it, the professor just sat and swore the whole time. I think he came to school uh, class drunk half the time. He was tenured, so nothing could happen. And he would just sit there and ramble on, ramble, ramble, ramble. So I did bare minimum. But I passed the class, and I eventually got my diploma. Because my short-term goal, passed the class. Long-term goal, diploma. And I did what I had to do. And nobody has asked me since. But it was my motivation to get the degree that I had to go through. And, in fact, I had to drop that class two other times. It was a history class. Dropped two other times because I kept getting the same professor. I guess he was the only one. So the third time, I'm like, okay, I got I to have a growth mindset. I have to get through this. And I have to pass, and I'm just going to do bare minimum, and I got through it. So, again, develop strong motivational skills. Advocate for yourself. Develop effective communication skills. Practice good time management skills. Develop a clear and realistic plan for your academic work. Develop good study habits and prioritize your physical and mental health. Because if you do that, then you're going to be better off. And there's one final thing I want to touch on, and that's teamwork, okay? You're a team, especially if you're a teacher, you're working at a school. I know you teach different grades. I've seen a lot of schools that have, like, multiple third grade, multiple fourth grade teachers because of multiple classes, and they work together as teams, and they have to work with special education and maybe specials teachers like PE and music and art. But you guys are a team. And here's a quick soundbite about what makes a successful Navy SEAL guy, Okay. The successful Navy SEAL type of guy is this. The Navy SEALs are one of the highest performing organizations on the planet. And a former Navy SEAL was asked, who makes it through BUDS? Who makes it through the selection process to become a SEAL? And he said, I can't tell you who gets through, who makes it, but I can tell you the kind of people who don't make it. He said the star college athletes that never have been really tested to the core of their being, none of them make it through. He said the preening leaders who like to delegate everything, none of them make it through. He said the big tough guys that come in with huge muscles, covered in tattoos, who want to prove to everyone how tough they are, none of them make it through. He said some of the guys that make it through are skinny and scrawny. He said some of the guys who make it through, you will see them shivering out of fear. He said, but every single one of them who makes it through, when they're emotionally exhausted, when they're physically exhausted, some way, somehow, they're able to dig down deep inside themselves to find the energy to help the person 
next to them. Service. Service. Giving to another, having their back, is what makes the highest performing teams in the world. Not their strength and not their intelligence. It's their willingness to be there for each other. So basically it comes down to teamwork. You guys are a team. Work together. I know you're going to be at odds with each other over lesson plans or how to implement something or you know whatever the case may be, but your team and the ones that make it through Bud School, Navy SEALs, they work together as a team. They're there to service each other. They've got each other's backs. They rely on each other and they make it through Bud School, probably one of the hardest things you can ever go through and they make it. They're not the tough guy with tattoos. They're not the strong leader type. They're the ones that rely on each other. They're a team. So remember that. So if you take anything away from this, one, I would suggest taking away, are you going to be the best for your student? Are you the best in the world or are you the best for the world? Are you the best in this class? Are you the best in the district, in the school? Or are you the best for the class, the district, the school? It's a difference. Second, are you going to be that one person that's looking for that one moment in time that changes a life? That one moment in time that you're not a problem, you're a drummer. And then are you going to work together as a team, servicing others, helping others, like Navy SEALs in bud school? Because that's how they get through and make it to the end. They work together as a team. And then if you follow up with some of these other things like time management skills, self-care, those might be steps to help you, strategies to help you be successful, especially during this transition time from summer break back into school schedules and maybe even down the road. And you might find yourself having more time, having more freedom on the weekend, having the ability to leave right at 345 or whenever your day is over and not staying late. You make these priorities, you set your schedule, you take care of yourself, and then you're bringing out your inner greatness. You're raising the standard. You're inspiring others, motivating others to do the same, and now everybody has become the best for whatever it is you're doing because you came together, and now you've done the business of teaching and not the business of what this other stuff is that we get lost and focused on. This is Two Steps Ahead podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, check out our website. It's RadioWarp.com. It's Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. A lot of stuff on there, but you can click on the Two Steps Ahead podcast logo and all of our videos show up from all of our past shows and you can scroll through. It's connected to our Rumble account and you can click on a video and you can watch it. Uh, you can see this orange banner that goes across the screen and it is our SoundCloud account, the audio version of it. You can click on that. It takes you to our audio page and you can listen via audio. You can download the episodes and take them with you on the go as well. Or you can just listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia. I mean, there's so many out there. Um, Google Podcasts. You can always say, hey, Suri, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, play TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and the episodes pop up. Or you can just internet search TWO, 
everything with Two Steps Ed Podcast is TWO. So TWO, Two Steps Ed Podcast, and we pop up on the internet searches as well. On Instagram, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Uh, my personal page, Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And you can also email the show at uh, Two Steps Ahead Podcast at gmail.com. And again, it's TWO. I like to emphasize that so you know it's TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Um, but we're easy to find. Reach out if you're having issues, if you, you know, having some mental health issues like we talked about before and a little bit today, go ahead and reach out if you don't know what to do. Um, if you're overwhelmed because you're a student, you're a teacher, whatever, I'm, don't pretend to be an expert, but I've been in the trenches as a student, as a teacher, as someone in the professional world, the business world. I've kind of been there, learned a few things along the way. So maybe I can be of help. Whatever it is, if you don't know who to reach out to, um, I know people too, that if I can't do it, I can direct you maybe to some people that might be helpful, whether it's someone you want to talk to as far as therapy, counseling, or maybe academic stuff, whatever it might be, if you don't know where to turn to, you don't know who, I don't know anything. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Reach out to me. I'm going to be here. Reach out to me. I'll get back to you. So don't be afraid to do that. And again, have a great year. Enjoy the ride. It's fun. Remember, life's a journey, not a destination. We're all focused to May, June, end of the year, right? School just started. Now we're looking at the end of the year. Can't wait for summer. Can't wait for Christmas break. Can't wait for whatever it is. But it's the journey and not the destination that makes life fun. So enjoy the ride. Enjoy the journey. Have fun. Make memories along the way. Because life goes by way too fast. And before you know it, you're looking in the rearview mirror of life being like, wow, I should have done a lot more. I could have done things differently to have more fun, more free time, more enjoyment. Yeah, the mundane routine crap stuff that I have to do, maybe I'm going to try to come up with a way to make it fun. However that may be. We had years ago in college, we had a friend that was a, um, a first-year teacher, elementary school. We all sat around Saturday night and graded papers. Some students got higher grades than they probably should have. But we graded papers, math papers. Everybody can grade a math paper, especially if it has numbers on it, right? Once it gets to letters, that might be something else. But yeah, I don't know. Whatever it is, think of creative ways to make the journey fun along the way. And if you do, life's going to be a lot more exciting. Your school year is going to be a lot more enjoyable. And in the end, everything is going to be better. Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.